The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey church, I'm so glad you chose to join us today, wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your world, as we get closer to this Christmas season. We're in the season, but as we get closer to Christmas, I know that it is so imperative that we all just take a moment to remember the reason for the season, and that is Jesus. And I, and I hope today that you can do that. Before we jump in, just some housekeeping stuff real quick. We would love to be praying for you. If there's anything going on in your life that we can be lifting up to the Father, we believe that prayer unlocks the power of God. If you just wanted to go to summitonline.tv forward slash prayer, type in your prayer request. We will have people praying for you and lifting up those requests. We also have our Christmas Eve Eve services coming up. So December 23rd, online will debut at 6 p.m., but we have in-person services if you're interested in joining one of those. Oklahoma City campus, 6 and 7.30 p.m. Norman campus, 7 p.m. We would love to see you. You can invite your friends and family to those, or if you feel more comfortable, join us online that night to celebrate Jesus and his birth. We also have our Project Christmas going on. Project Christmas is simply this. It's a way to do Christmas a little differently. We ask that each family would consider giving $50 per person to Project Christmas. Every dime of that money goes to our local mission partners throughout the next year. So for 2022, it allows us to impact literally thousands of people in our community simply by you saying, hey, we're going to buy one less gift this year for everyone and make an impact in our communities. I would love for you to think through and talk through with your families how you could engage this year in Project Christmas. Our goal each year is to raise $50,000. We're well on our way this year, but we need everyone to do their part to reach that goal and make that impact. Today, we are in week two of our Advent series. We kind of shortened it this year just to two weeks, but we did want to take a pause from our study through the Gospel of Luke and make sure that we are centering ourselves on the reason for this season. And Advent means coming or arrival. So we're focusing on the fact that Jesus came to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to earth for a very specific purpose. And that purpose, I believe, was to demonstrate the love of the Father to each and every one of us. We say at Summit that God is for people. That's why we're for people. The fact that God would send his one and only son to this earth to die for the sins of all mankind proves to me at least that God is for you. And in this season, we can get caught up in so much stuff. There's so much going on. It's all good, really. It is good. But there's so much stuff that if we do not intentionally slow down and just pump the brakes, we can be in jeopardy of failing to experience the magnitude of Jesus' arrival because it means so much to us. And today what I want to do is I want to look at what is the appropriate response to Jesus' arrival? So so more specifically for us today, what is the appropriate response for us during this Christmas season? How are we to respond to the arrival of Jesus? Well, For me, I have to slow down and think about it because I'm a Christmas fool. I love this time of year. I love the lights. I love the Christmas tree. I love the presents. I love the parties. I love the food. I love the Christmas movies. Like, I am so into this season. 
But one of the things you maybe haven't heard me say, which is a part of our Christmas tradition every year, is the Christmas Eve or the Christmas Eve Eve service. And the reason I didn't list that as part of my favorite parts of this year is because when I grew up, that Christmas Eve service, that time of going to praise and worship God on Christmas Eve, that was always something that just stood in the way of the good stuff, right? Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. We're having so much fun. What do you mean I got to get dressed up? What do you mean I got I to gotta go to church? And it's just so boring. And I think even from a young age, this fact that Jesus and the worship of him should be a central part of our Christmas celebration. I think from a young age, I just felt like it was not a waste, but it wasn't the fun stuff. It wasn't the food and the presents and the tree. It wasn't the lights. It wasn't the parties. It was just something you had to do. It was part of it. And while I have matured a little bit, and I, I do appreciate that time, that, that Christmas Eve Eve service, at least for us here at Summit, doesn't, doesn't it sometimes, though, just feel like even in the midst of all that, the, the purpose of that hour is to get a good family picture, like in front of the backdrop that we can remember? I think if we don't intentionally slow down, if we don't intentionally choose to worship Jesus in this season, to make it a part of our traditions, to make it a part of what we do, if we don't choose to do that, then we can miss out on a really great experience and what Christmas is all about. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at several characters from the birth narrative, okay, people that were involved in the arrival, the advent of Jesus, and I want to look how each and every one of them had the exact same response to Jesus' birth. There was one response. There's one appropriate response to the arrival of Jesus, and I want to show that to you biblically first, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. So the first person is a fitting person. Uh, I want to talk about Mary and, and her response to the news that she was going to conceive and give birth to the Savior of the world. I, I want to talk about her magnificent. It's her song that she wrote in response to hearing from the angel that she would be the mother of the Son of God. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 50 that we read about this. And Mary said, my soul, the deepest part of me, glorifies the Lord, worships and praises the Lord. My spirit, similar to the soul, my spirit rejoices in God, worships God, who is my Savior, the one who's sending a Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. We'll come back to that later, but look, he saw that I was humble. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. There are denominations within the Christian faith that worship Mary. She was right about this. This is going to change her life forever, being the mother of the Son of God. All generations from here on out will call me blessed. Verse 49, for the mighty one, a very distinguished name for God. For God has done great things for me. I'm praising him. I'm going to continue to rejoice in him. Holy is his name, the mighty one. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation to generation. It's his mercy that causes her to praise. It's his might, his willingness to save. That's what causes causes her to worship. She was not the only one at the news of Jesus' arrival that chose to worship and praise God. The Magi, the Magi, the wise men from your nativity set. Here's what they did. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. On coming to the house where Jesus was, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. 
That was their response. They did so in spirit, but then they also did so physically. Then they opened up their treasures, literally their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they worshiped him in their spirit. They bowed down before him, and then they worshiped him with their treasure. John the Baptist and Elizabeth, okay? Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was about six months older than Jesus. So we're going to see the response of a child still in its mother's womb, okay? I want you to see this in Luke 1, 41 and 42. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, so Mary had been told by the angel that she was going to conceive the Son of God. She trips out, runs to her great-great-aunt somewhere down the line. They were related somehow. She runs to her home. Elizabeth is very long in years, but she's pregnant with John the Baptist. When Mary entered into the home, the baby leapt in her womb. So John leaps in her womb. Now, we can't say that's worship, but there's an acknowledgement of just a few-day-old baby growing in Mary's stomach. John sees that and leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is the Savior in your stomach. Mary, worship. You have a six-month-old child in his mother's womb. You have an elderly woman who was not supposed to have children praising God at the acknowledgement of the arrival of Jesus. The angels did the same thing. Now, this is a little bit cheating because they probably had a little behind-the-scenes view of what was going on. But the angels did the same thing upon Jesus' arrival. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host of the angels, okay, appeared with the angel Gabriel who came to talk to the shepherds in the field. They came praising God and saying this. So they came worshiping. They said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels created to worship come to earth for that purpose to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. The shepherds. For whom the angel came to say, today has been born to you a savior in the town of Bethlehem. Here's what the shepherds did. They went and found baby Jesus. But then Luke chapter 2 verse 20, the shepherds returned back to their fields, back to their flocks after seeing Jesus. But they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. The things they'd heard from the angel and they'd seen their baby Jesus which were just as they had been told. They continued to praise and worship. It became a part of who they were. It was a response to having seen Jesus. We see these responses to Jesus' advent, his arrival. We see that across the board, even though it looked slightly different, across the board, the response was worship. So I would argue church that our response to the arrival, the birth of Jesus, our response to Christmas should be one of worship. So I ask, does that jive with how you do Christmas? Does that look like how you do Christmas? Another way of asking, a much more specific way of asking it, and just be honest with yourself, wherever you're at right now, where is the worship of Jesus in your Christmas plan? As you chart out where you're going to be and what you're going to do, 
as you, as you think through how family time is going to be spent, as you think through traveling, as you think through presents and all that different stuff, where is the worship in that Christmas plan? It, let, let me just answer that question for the Tyson family, okay? So, so we have a few things that we try to do to incorporate worship, but, but I'll be honest, before I even share these with you, uh, after reviewing this, we're lacking. We, we need to do some course correction within our family to make this a true part of our response to the Christmas season. But here's what we do. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we gather all the children together, we read the birth narrative. Now, I, I don't know that you could say that's truly worship, but it is a spirit-filled moment. Uh, we always, we always as a family want to make sure and purchase presents for and food and, and take care of the less fortunate. And, and that is an act of worship. I know, I know you would say that's service, but anytime you do that, remember we saw this a few weeks ago, anytime you serve those who are in need, you're actually serving Jesus, you're, you're worshiping him. So once again, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but we, we always make sure and do that. Uh, when we gather the family together, that's community, I, that's definitely not worship, but we tend to pray before the meal. But that's all I could put that's that's really all I could come up with that we intentionally do every Christmas season. So then I have to ask myself, where's the praise? Where is the set aside time for worship? I'll be honest, it's not on Christmas morning. That's just destroying months worth of work in five minutes. That's all that is. It's not the night before, even with the reading of the birth narrative, that there's not this time where we let our spirits just say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. We, we read it, and then we just keep on doing what we were doing before. It is at the Christmas Eve Eve service, but, but once again, not, not completely. For, for me, that's a, it's a work day. For the family, they're, they're just trying to figure out where I'm going to be and scrambling around. And, and we do get that good family picture. But, but the, the one thing that we can look at and go, this is supposed to be uh, our family praising and, and, and thanking God for the gift of his son on Christmas Day. Uh, like that's, it, it doesn't really hold water. So where is it? If the arrival of Jesus evoked the same response in every person, and that response was praise. Where is that in my family during this season? Where is that in your response and in your family's response to the birth of Jesus in this season? Well, if, if you're like me and you're going, we, we, need to, we need to do something, we need to make some corrections here. I have a few helpful tips for heading down a path of praise this Christmas season. And these tips, they're taken from the, the birth narrative story. First, we, we look at Mary. What did she do right? Well, looking at her, I think the first step for us to incorporate praise into this Christmas season would be to humble ourselves like Mary did. Christmas is not about us. It's not about what we want. It's about the gift of God that was sent in the form of his one and only son. We have so much. Now, I know not everyone listening today feels overly blessed and like they just have this abundance, but for many of you, you we have so much. And because of that, in order for us to appreciate the gift of Jesus, we need to step outside of our wealth and our traditions 
and see our soul's need for him, our soul's need for a savior. That's, that's what Mary got. She humbled herself and God saw her humble state, the humble state of her words, of your servant. It's not about me. And when we humble ourselves and we see our soul's need for him, then we can start to praise naturally. It doesn't have to be this, well, we'll schedule in praise from 8.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We're just going to do it this year, and we're gonna, we are going to worship Jesus because Todd said that's what it's all about. Every person who saw Jesus, that praise came from a deep spot within them, a spot of gratitude and humility, knowing that what they were witnessing was life-changing. It meant everything. We need to have that same soul response. In our desire to give great gifts that will bring people great joy, we realize that the greatest Christmas gift of all is the gift of Jesus. And nothing compares to that gift. So actually, sometimes in giving great gifts, we put ourselves at odds with the truly great gift. We muddle it. And so what do we need to do? Well, we need to allow our hearts to praise God for the greatest gift of this season. And we need to see that as such. And there's no compromise, there's no substitute. Jesus is the great gift of this season. And when we see that, then we worship with Mary. The worship she gave was not a warm and fuzzy Christmas carol. That, that's not what came out of her. Her worship was an outpouring of her heart. She said, my spirit rejoices. We need to take Jesus seriously this season. We need to see that the things that he is passionate about, we need to be passionate about. We need to let our worship and praise, our soul's response to him, we need to let it drive us outside of the church walls into the painful places of our community. And it's from there that we can help deliver God's peace to the hurting and the oppressed. This worship, it's not just singing a song. It's, it's, it's good, but that's not all it is. Justice and mercy are intrinsic parts of worship. Christmas worship is about giving his gift to all who are in need. I don't know about you, but I've never left a serving opportunity unthankful to God. It's always caused me and my soul to rejoice in who he is. Mary rejoiced because she knew that Jesus had come to rescue the world from its brokenness. I fear that sometimes at Christmas we put so much decoration up, it hides the brokenness of the world that we need to desperately see. So we need to strip it down Make it about Jesus, humble ourselves as Mary did, and let our spirit rejoice because of who he is and what he's done. And that then moves us outside of our comfort zone to the real place where the real gift of Jesus can permeate and change the world around us. The second person we haven't talked about him yet was Joseph, Mary's husband, his response to the news that Jesus was going to be born through his engaged or betrothed wife, Mary, um, 
that, that struck him hard because they had not been together. And he's like, how can this be? And, and so his initial response was not praise, but it was obedience. He obeyed the call of God no matter what the cost. He was told to take Mary home regardless, regardless of the hit his reputation would take. He, he was told by God, you got to trust me on this. It's going to look different. You're going to catch flack for this. And I would tell you this, church, making worship in Jesus the center of your Christmas may not be the most popular decision with your kids, with other family members, with your friends. But not being popular and well-liked in this season because you're, you're changing the mold, you're course correcting to get back where you need to be. And that is with Jesus being the center and the focus and the worship, making that, it will cost you something, but that should be a, pi- a price you're willing to pay for your Savior. And then there's the Magi, who while they brought great gifts, they were the intellectual elite of their time. They were the only ones who could uh, adorn a king of Persia. They, they had to endorse him, and they came to baby Jesus and declared him king. It's this beautiful story, but they did so in opposition to the Roman Empire. King Herod had actually sent them to say, you go find this baby and report back to me because I need him gone. And they defied an empire by going home a different direction after having worshipped Jesus and identified. They they didn't sell him out to Herod at great personal risk to themselves. And while we do not stand against the Roman Empire right now, there is a kingdom, a kingdom that we face. It's an empire called consumerism. And it's one that I believe stifles our worship so much Because Christmas has become consumer-driven. And to truly and fully worship, we have to confront that empire. I know for me, I desperately try for a both-and approach. I want the consumer part of Christmas, the fun, the lights, the trees. I want all that, and then I want the Jesus part. But here's the reality. The self-centered option the more glamorous option will always win out. Jesus says it a different way when talking about money in general. He says you can only serve one master. Okay, You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot love both God and money. You can't do it because you'll always pick money. In this season, if we try to merge the two together completely and then let them live harmoniously, I think God's saying you'll always choose the one that makes you feel better. You'll always choose the one that's, that's a little bit glitzier and glamier. You'll, you'll always choose the one that's more self-centered. So you know, you, you've got to choose right now. You've got to choose to defy this massive empire that is called comparison. Everyone else is doing this. Everyone else is going here. It's, it's what causes us to be in massive debt at the end of the season. It's what causes us to do crazy things just to try to keep up with those around us. We, we have to fight against that. Just as the Magi said, no, no to the Roman Empire. We have to say no to this empire of consumer-driven Christmas. Am I telling you to punt everything that's not Jesus from your Christmas celebration? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. But, but, church, make sure that everything else that's not Jesus isn't making you punt him. 
Gotta check yourself in this season. And that's why we're doing this series, just to take a breath, take a breather, and evaluate. The response to Jesus' arrival should be worship. That is decided. That is biblical. So let me ask you a few questions as we wrap up today. First, do you know Jesus as more than just the name from the Christmas story? Do you know him? Do you know and trust him as the savior of the world, as your personal savior? Because unless you've put your trust and your faith in him, it would be impossible for you to then springboard to this step of worship. It begins with a relationship. It begins with having received his mercy. It begins with him transforming you from the inside out. If you are not in a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with him as your Lord and Savior, then I would beg you today to choose him. Choose him. For he came to this earth for you out of the love of the Father and the Father's desire for you to spend eternity with him. And this Christmas season, there's no better time than for you to receive that gift, the greatest gift of all, and put your trust and your faith in him. And then once you've done so, once you've done so, then I believe you begin to look at your current Christmas traditions and ask yourself, how can I incorporate praise, true praise, through service, through worship, through joy, through peace? How can I incorporate true praise into our Christmas tradition? If you don't have that now, if none of your plans incorporate that, how can you better incorporate worship into this season and beyond? How can you do that? It's a, it's a difficult question. But the shepherds, they got it. They saw Jesus and they went back changed simply by meeting him. So I would ask you then, how does Jesus need to change you in this season? Die to some of your self-centeredness? Probably yes. Shut off your eyes to that comparison game for the rest of the world so you don't just chase things that will ultimately leave you feeling empty and void. Yes, you probably need to do that. How does Jesus need to change you? And finally, wherever you're at today, will you take the time right now, right now, right now, will you take the time to worship him? Don't just, don't just turn off the video. Don't just close, your, close down your laptop. Will you take the time right now to worship him? Because church, that is the response. That is the desired response. That is the needed response to the truth that Jesus came to this earth as a baby to live a perfect life die a sinner's death to raise again three days later and he did that all for you and the glory of the Father and that truth, that reality his arrival is worthy of your praise and worship so take the time to do that now Father receive your praise receive your worship Jesus come and move in our hearts and our souls so that that praise and worship comes directly from our spirit to you.
We thank you. We thank you for this season. And may we make it all about you. For you are worthy. You are good. And we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.